Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Over the last few weeks, investors and markets have begun to worry more and more about China Evergrande, one of Asia's largest property developers, and their mounting debt woes. For over 300 billion US dollars worth of liabilities, with more than half of them classified as current, Evergrande has warned that they face possible cross defaults and a liquidity crunch as suppliers begin to take legal action for unpaid work and people begin protesting in some Chinese cities demanding repayment of financial products. Now, is there a, the possibility of contagion should the worst happen to China Evergrande? Well, Ravi Veller, who's the associate editor for the Straits Times with more than four decades covering Asia, in their latest podcast for the Asia Insider, brought up the case of Hanbo Steel in South Korea, whose own default woes helped catalyze, it seems, the Asian financial crisis of the late 90s. Now, we're here to see if there are any parallels and lessons to be learned from the debacle and look at Evergrande's current woes. Ravi, thank you so much for joining us today on Money FM 89.3. Glad to hear you and your loved ones are still safe and in good health during these times, and welcome to the show, sir. It's a pleasure. Good afternoon, uh, JP, and it's a pleasure to be on your show with you. Okay, so again, Ravi, uh, we do want to reference that it, it was in the latest podcast of the Asia Insider. It's available on the audio app of SPH. And in that episode, you recently pointed out the example of Hanbo Steel in South Korea as perhaps a lesser-known catalyst for the Asian financial crisis. What kind of contagion spread from Hanbo Steel helped ignite the financial events of 1997 to 1998, which you were in the thick of covering during that time? Well, uh... JP, uh, now, you're going back, uh, as you realize, uh, almost a quarter century now. What mm-hmm. I meant to say was this, uh, that when Hanbo Steel collapsed, it was quite unexpected. Uh, for one thing, no one expected that the uh, South Korean government would allow such a big company to fail. That's the first thing. And it was always expected that, uh, you know, Seoul would step in and uh, make the arrangements with credit- creditors to keep it going. But then it did collapse. And either because the government didn't want to do it or could not do it. Now, at that time, people did not quite realize what they were saying. Many thought that this was just a one-off thing. But what it signaled was the rot in the South Korean industrial complex and all its uh, vulnerabilities. So once the crisis became full-blown, you know, after the uh, Thai uh, devalued in uh, July of uh, 97, you might remember that uh, South Korea was uh, one of the worst-hit economies in uh, Asia, along with uh, Indonesia and uh, Thailand. So, uh, you know, the the, the worry is that a lot of people might uh, suspect uh, that there are uh, similar vulnerabilities in China today. Uh, and if you look at just uh, one number, you know, one figure, that's uh, household debt as relative to household income. Well, I saw somewhere that it's about the same levels as the U.S. was at the start of the 2008 uh, global financial crisis. So these are the threats, uh, you know, which uh, made me worry and uh, raise this question. What potential parallels are there now with China Evergrande and Hanbo Steel in this case? And I, we have to also note that China Evergrande it might be is on a bigger scale than the Korean steelmaker that folded in the late 1990s that you also saw in real time. What kind of parallels can we draw from Hanbo Steel's experiences in the Asian financial crisis and China Evergrande right now? <laughs> Good question, JP, and I'm uh, I'm glad you asked it because a lot of people will uh, might you know, sit up and think, hey, why is this uh, comparison being made with Hanbo Steel? And, 
you know, that went down with $6 billion in debt. And here you're looking at Evergrande, which has uh, got uh, debt of almost $90 billion and liabilities of uh, more than $300 billion. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Uh, you see, if you look at Hanbo's $6 billion debt relative to the size of the South Korean economy at that time, uh, if I remember, the South Korean economy in '97 was less than $600 billion dollars and i would think it was closer to 570 billion dollars in uh, 1997 so we're talking about you know 1% of uh, the size of the economy you know that was the the, the hanbo issue but um, you know today the chinese are uh, about uh, more than 14 trillion dollar economy maybe 14.5 trillion so 1% of that would be i suppose 145 billion us dollars but the Evergrande issue is <laughs> almost three times that if you if you just do right. a simple uh, back of the envelope calculation, mm-hmm. you see. And, uh, you know, that is what uh, makes me uh, fear uh, there could be systemic risk uh, involved. Yes, essentially that's it. You mentioned in, in the podcast, actually, that you fear that something dire may happen with China Evergrande. Can you help us elaborate on this, Ravi? What, what might be triggering your spidey sense, if for lack of a better term? I was fearing uh, a disorderly uh, uh, coming apart of uh, Evergrande. And, uh, you know, what would that mean for uh, the company, for its uh, various stakeholders, uh, for society, for broader China, and uh, perhaps uh, even the region? Uh, You know, so if you put it all together, uh, then, uh, you know, I think uh, it adds up to... uh, something significant in case uh, we cannot organize uh, a, uh, an orderly, uh, 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 you know, what's the word to use, a soft landing for Evergrande. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the point I was trying to make. Now, we're still going to be to Ravi Veller, the associate editor for The Straits Times here on Money FM 89.3, talking about the current woes of China Evergrande, if there are any contagion risks, actually. Ravi, a lot of these issues that hit China Evergrande and property developers in China also happened just after China decided to implement those stricter three red lines that effectively cut developers with higher leverage ratios from tapping debt markets. Just earlier this week, we talked about Sincere Property Group and CDL having to sell them back off for a measly one U.S. dollar because of similar problems also. When you look at the timeline of things, how significant was this? And was this the game changer that really put a lot of these property developers in China on the ropes? Well, I wouldn't say the three red lines were precisely the game changer involved because, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd been flagging Evergrande since April of last year. And the key meeting from which the three red lines emerged was in August that year. So, uh, you know, I mean, that was the month that uh, uh, authorities realized that, hey, you better sit up uh, and do something about it because, uh, you know, the consequences could be much worse if uh, uh, some measures were not taken. And they to their credit, they went in and they came out with these red lines. Uh, and, uh, you know, at the base of it is uh, the C government saying that property is something that you live in, you know, and it's not really something that it's all about investments. I mean, investments might be important, but critically, it's important that you recognize property as something to be occupied and used, not speculated upon. And it comes from social pressures uh, uh, which have made property so expensive in China. And the government, I think, to their credit, was reacting to that situation. And, uh, 
uh, you know, and they began to they announced these uh, red lines. And I think, uh, including Evergrande, uh, property uh, companies reacted to it. I saw the Poly Group, uh, which is a huge uh, real estate firm, which is probably even bigger than Evergrande. I saw mm-hmm. them pulling out of a project in uh, around Sydney. Uh, and uh, it indicated to me that, uh, you know, I mean, my grandmother used to say, JP, that uh, uh, before uh, you stretch out both your feet, it's important that you're seated. And I think, uh, you know, that is what uh, the Chinese government has told these property companies, you know, don't get overstretched, mm-hmm. careful. And, uh, you know, I, I, so that, that, essentially that's it. It's interesting also how... Um Housing also played a huge part in uh, triggering the global financial crisis from just over a decade ago, Ravi, and just showing that there are a couple of uh, potential contagion risks, actually, with regards to potential collapse. But ultimately, though, let's try to bring this back home, Ravi. Would a potential Evergrande collapse in mainland China trouble Singapore? Exactly how exposed or unexposed are Singapore's markets, developers, suppliers, and economy overall to a potential contagion similar to what we saw, say, with the Asian financial crisis? Well, GP, I would say that if uh, the issues were confined to only Evergrande, uh, probably not. Uh, uh, you know, a few Singaporeans who hold its paper or shares may take a knock. Uh, you know, a year ago, if, you're, you know, if, you'd, if you were in Evergrande, uh, you, you'd have paid 17 Hong Kong dollars for the shares that uh, trade in Hong Kong. This morning when I looked, uh, mm-hmm. those shares were valued at uh, $3.10 or so. So you can look at the enormous amount of wealth that's been already wiped out. So uh, whoever has been holding that paper or the shares have taken a hit, um, uh, you know. Uh, but uh, if broader China is somehow affected, uh, I'm sure it cannot be good for us uh, or for anybody else uh, for that matter. Um, and, uh, you know, in, if indeed there is contagion, uh, uh, and I hope there will not be, and uh, there will be enough done to check it before it gets to that stage, I would think that uh, Singapore will not totally escape it. Uh, but uh, if you take the long view, we've been uh, generally good at uh, limiting the damage to ourselves. So uh, I'm not losing uh, too much sleep over it, uh, frankly, uh, JP. Uh, Ravi, the other question I wanted to bring up, so going back to the 1997 crisis, the other thing that it seems that we saw a fair amount of political change sparked after that, if that was also the time when we saw the ousting of of then-President Suharto in Indonesia, the founding of Taksi Shinawat's party in Thailand also coming a year after, just to name a few of these events. And of course, we'd be very careful not to make these direct comparisons, but we have seen in history that you know, these events of financial upheavals have the potential of triggering some form of a political change. Is there a possibility of that perhaps happening or a risk of that happening for the region? Oh, well, JP, it's, uh, you know, that's hard to say, and uh, I'm being quite frank here. Uh, okay. You know, you know, in the first place, uh, let's uh, wait and see. You know, I trust uh, the regulators in China to have the wisdom and the maturity to uh, bring things to a, a soft landing. Even if they do not manage that, uh, you know, the next hope is that any contagion would be limited. And uh, do remember that uh, since the Asian financial crisis, uh, this region has got quite a lot of experience in handling uh, macroeconomic crises. And uh, even if there's uh, a worst case scenario, you know, which I mean uh, complete collapse of Evergrande and the fallout is felt across China and the region, uh, it's tough to say uh, what impact it will have on politics. 
you mentioned uh, Suharto, uh, and you're right. But, you know, what really hurt Suharto was that uh, picture of him bending over to sign on to the IMF documents, mm-hmm. while the IMF MD of the time, I think he was uh, Michel Camdesu, he was standing over him, uh, you know, with his arms crossed. It's uh, almost like uh, Suharto was signing the instrument of surrender. That picture was so costly. And it said so much that President Suharto was thoroughly weakened after that and, you know, ultimately had to leave office. At the same time, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Mahathir uh, uh, survived. And in some ways, he came out looking like a champion because uh, he'd done what everyone told him not to do, which was in September 98, when he walled in the ringgit, imposed capital controls. And uh, ultimately, even the IMF uh, sort of grudgingly acknowledged that he might have done the, the right thing. So it's tough to uh, speculate too much uh, at this point. But uh, seriously, I mean, there are 1.5 million Chinese who have put down payments on uh, Evergrande property and they're waiting for their property and they're going to be very upset, I know. The employees count uh, direct and indirect employment in Evergrande. I'm told that's more than um, 3 million people are involved. So there are going to be a lot of unhappy people in China. There are going to be the wealthy people in China who are a little dismayed that this government is being so forceful in doing things that hurt them in the pocketbook. So it's tough to say, but I think the Chinese know how to handle it. It's tough to say because these things have a dynamic of their own and each crisis has its own characteristics. So uh, it's never like for like, uh, JP. That's what I've seen in uh, these 40 years. that's, That's my take on the situation. A lot of work cut out, actually, for China's regulators, so we'll have to wait and see. Ravi Veller, Associate Editor for The Straits Times, thank you so much for joining us today on Money FM 89.3 and for this lively discussion on China Evergrande's current financial woes. As always, Ravi, I wish you and your loved ones continued health and safety during these uncertain times. We will look forward to the next time we can find an opportunity to have you back on the show. Meanwhile, do stay safe. Thank you, uh, JP. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.